Before we get into today's show, I have a favor to ask of the fantastic listeners of this show. If you are enjoying the content of the Pop Culture Retrospective podcast, please rate the show on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast platform you use. By doing this, you not only let me know what you think about the show, but it also helps promote the podcast to new listeners who may not be aware of the show. And thank you to those of you who have already rated the show, and thanks in advance to those of you who will do a review. I'm also going to work on rating podcasts myself because there's a bunch that I listen to pretty religiously. I've been a huge podcast fan for over 10 years. So anyways, if you could do that and let people know about the show, I would really appreciate it. But let's get on with the show. When you think about the individuals or groups who paved the way for hip-hop and rap artists of today, perhaps you think of Grandmaster Flash, the Sugar Hill Gang, or maybe Run DMC. In a male-dominated genre of music, sometimes we forget the women who were also trailblazers. In the early 1980s, it was almost unheard of for women to be rappers, but that would all change when Salt and Peppa hit the scene, paving the way for artists like Missy Elliott, Lil' Kim, Foxy Brown, and Eve. There was rarely a time when I traveled in a vehicle with my sister when we weren't listening to music. When we traveled with my mom, we would often listen to Tina Turner, Phoebe Snow, Tracy Chapman, or my mom's man crush, James Taylor. When we traveled with my dad, we listened to the likes of Prince, Morris Day, or perhaps Tangerine Dream. One group I distinctly remember listening to while driving around downtown Chicago, for some reason I remember really specific stuff, again, can't remember geometry or parts of the Constitution, but I remember what I was listening to when I was 12 years old, but I digress. One thing I remember listening to is Salt and Peppa, the charismatic, feminist, and groundbreaking rap group that was wildly popular during me and my sister's childhood and adolescence. With that being said, on today's show, we will be discussing the backstory behind Salt and Peppa, one of the most successful rap groups of all time. The three women who comprised this group were true trailblazers, advocates, and pop culture icons, and I cannot wait to share their incredible story with you. So put on your red leather boots, your black leotard, and your gold necklace. Here we go. And thank you so very much for tuning into the Pop Culture Retrospective Podcast, a show inspired by and in memory of my big sister, Rebecca, and her love for all things pop culture, especially the people, places, and things of the 1980s, 1990s, and early 2000s. My name is Amy Lewis, and I am your captain aboard this pop culture time machine. You are tuning into episode number 27, Salt and Peppa, the all-female hip-hop group who have made us dance try our hand at rapping, even though we are not nearly as gifted as they are, and who made us look at some challenging topics with a more well-informed and open-minded lens. But before we get into the story of how salt and Peppa formed and subsequently became incredibly successful, let's first discuss the early days of its members. And before we get into that, just note that there are some points 
during today's show, where we will be touching on some more adult subject and lyrics, especially when we get into discussing the group's discography, specifically the Black Magic and Very Necessary albums. So please keep that in mind if you are listening to the show with some younger ears. Back to the show, though. Salt's real name is Cheryl James, and she was born on March 8, 1964, in Brooklyn, New York. She was a middle child of three children. She was the daughter of a transit worker and a banker. Cheryl's mother often took her to Broadway plays when she was a kid. She also took singing and dance lessons as a child. She struggled with learning how to appropriately sing, but she did eventually fall in love with hip-hop and rap, some of that having to do with her boyfriend at the time. Peppa's real name is Sandra Denton, or Sandy Denton, and she was born on November 9, 1969, in Kingston, Jamaica. She was the youngest of eight children. She lived with her grandmother on a farm in Jamaica until she was about six years old. She eventually moved to New York City to rejoin her parents, who had already moved there a few years earlier. Sandy's mother worked as a nurse. Sandy's childhood certainly wasn't easy. Her father passed away in 1983, and her mother was left alone to take care of eight children. Unfortunately, she was the victim of abuse, and at one point, she was sent to live with an older sister in Utah when her family's house caught fire. The high school she attended in Utah was primarily white. In fact, she was apparently the only black student there. Despite being the minority, some positive things came out of her time in the Utah high school, one of them being exposure to rock music. This had a huge impact on her. She eventually moved back to New York City and graduated from high school there. After high school, she enrolled in college. Spinderella, the group's eventual DJ's, Real name is Deirdre, a.k.a. Dee Dee Roper, and she was born on August 3, 1970, in New York City. She was one of five children. At a young age, she was intrigued by her father's record collection as he collected vinyl. She grew up in the projects in New York City. She said her apartment was often the loudest one. The apartment was on the seventh floor, and her dad would blast music by the likes of Grover Washington Jr. or Hall & Oates. As a teenager, she dated a young man who was a DJ, and from him, she learned a lot of DJ techniques. She grew up loving Cinderella and often wore a Cinderella watch. One day when she was spinning records in a park, someone called her Spinderella, and the name became her permanent stage name. And I personally feel that Spinderella is the most genius DJ name for a female DJ. That just, that is brilliant. Cheryl and Sandra met during their first year of school at Queensboro Community College. They both had aspirations of working as nurses, but didn't quite have the work ethic, at least academically, to get there. They apparently didn't go to class very much, but rather hung out in the cafeteria playing card games. When it came to their friendship, opposites certainly attract. Cheryl was an introvert, and Sandy was very much an extrovert. In addition to both being nursing students, both young women also worked at the call center for Sears. For example, they would call customers to see if they were interested in getting a warranty on their washing machine. I wonder if the script for answering phone calls went something like, Hi, this is Amy. Are you interested in seeing the softer side of Sears? I'll never forget that jingle. Jingles are very effective, especially for me. 
Anyways, Cheryl's boyfriend at the time, his name was Herbie Azor, and he was a music student in college and he wanted to produce a song. Coincidentally, he also worked at Sears. Apparently, future comedian Martin Lawrence and musician Kid from Kid and Play also worked there. He asked Sandy, aka Peppa, if she could rap. She had never rapped publicly, but she threw out a few lines and Azur could immediately tell that she was very talented. In 1985, they recorded their first track. The duo was trying to make their way into a male-dominated music genre that was often focused on rap battles between artists. So they decided to hit back with their song, The Showstopper, The Stupid Fresh. It was a clapback to Doug E. Fresh and Slick Rick's The Show, which was a popular song at the time and focused on male rappers. Their version was sort of hitting back at how men sometimes treated women, especially when they continue to pursue a woman when she is not interested. The song was eventually re-recorded and was sent to a radio station that played rap music on weekends. At one point while Cheryl and Sandy were driving, the song came on the radio. They were over the moon with excitement. They were on the radio. They allegedly pulled the car over and both women apparently danced on the hood or roof of the car and shouted with excitement. When Showstopper was released, the group was known as Supernature. One of the lyrics in the song refers to salt and Peppa, and the names just stuck. The Showstopper would go on to sell over 250,000 copies and caught the attention of local record companies. The duo continued to get more radio play, and as that happened, the more shows they were asked to perform. As very young women, they were balancing school, work, and performing. They just wanted to play music and have fun. That was always a goal. One negative side effect of their success was that other female groups tried to impersonate them. Also, because they were trying to make headway into a male-dominated industry, no one wanted to sign them to a record deal despite their natural ability for rapping and indisputable charisma. Eventually, though, they were signed to an indie record label named Next Plateau, who were impressed by salt and Peppa's talent. It was then that the duo decided to bid farewell to Sears. Hot, Cool, and Vicious was released in 1986. It was one of the very first albums released by an all-female rap group, and it was the first to reach gold and platinum status. Gold marks 500,000 record sales, and platinum marks 1 million record sales. The album features several classic songs including Beauty and the Beat, Tramp, Chick on the Side, Showstopper, of course, and Push It. Push It has a very interesting backstory. While at Azur's friend's house, his name was Fresh Gordon, Gordon put together the infamous synthesizer riff that would be used in the classic song. The song was recorded in Gordon's bathroom as the tiles helped with the sound. The group needed to put together a B-side song to their other song, Tramp. Tramp was a song hitting back at the men who objectified women, so this time the women would be objectifying the men. Soon after its release, the song erupted and the single would go on to sell over one million copies and was nominated for a Grammy. The song also has a very memorable music video. It was actually filmed live and was spontaneous in nature. In case you don't remember this infamous music video, Salt, Peppa, and Spinderella were all clad in one-piece black leotards and sported white leather jackets with red, green, and yellow accents. They also had on red leather boots. Apparently, the jackets were designed by Play of the rap group Kid and Play. 
They also rocked large gold rope chains and asymmetric hair. Their style was unique, and it was hard to not want to be like them. In one article, it was mentioned that Push It is allegedly often played in maternity wards, of all places. I don't know what could be more encouraging to, you know, get the baby out than Push It, you know? I I would know, because both of my children are adopted. Anyways, at first, Salt and Peppa were not huge fans of the song. They thought it was kind of cheesy. However, they soon learned to embrace it as it became a hit. When the song comes on, I think it's impossible to not want to get up and dance to it. I think a lot of people in me and my sister's generation would agree with this, or anyone who heard the song during the height of its popularity. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that I enjoy throwing my parents under the bus and oftentimes myself. I do, however, need to throw my wife under the bus sometimes as well. Recently, we were listening to the song Push It, and my wife was saying, smush it, as a song played, as in smushing a bug. I paused the song and abruptly turned toward her and said, with an attitude, did you just say smush it? She then cleared her throat. Yes, I I did, she said. Aren't those the lyrics? To which I replied, are you kidding me? Are you serious? It is not smush it. It's push it. I then proceeded to hand her divorce paperwork because this is just not something we can ever recover from. Unacceptable. I was so insulted. Okay. All right. That's not true. But not knowing the appropriate lyrics to one of the best hip-hop songs of all time is a serious and unforgivable crime. Anyways, as the group became more well-known and popular, they were labeled sellouts. Like so many celebrities, because they were getting paid to do something that they loved, they were labeled sellouts. I definitely do not see it that way. If I could get paid to do something I loved, I would do it, and I'm not ashamed to say it. If somebody said, we'd like to pay you to travel to Walt Disney World and write about it, I would do it. And I don't care if you call me a sellout. Anyways, to back up for a second, because she was in the music video which was released after the song was put together, in 1987, the group was in need of a DJ. There was a woman who had been DJing for the group by the name of Latoya Hansen, but she often missed practices, so they were in need of someone new. Herbie Azur, who was a classmate of Deirdre Roper, knew that she was marketing herself as a DJ and asked her to audition for him to see if she would be a good fit for an all-female hip-hop group. As it would turn out, she was an excellent fit. Deirdre spent her senior year of high school on tour with salt and Peppa. This was difficult for Deirdre because she would have to leave her mother behind, and her mother is diabetic. Knowing that this could be a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, she took a chance and toured. However, her commitment to being in the group was very symbolic, as not only were there not very many female rappers at this time, there also weren't many female DJs. With Spinderella on board, the group continued working on their music. Assault with a Deadly Peppa was released in 1988, again on Next Plateau Records. This album would go on to be certified gold. It would reach number eight on the Billboard charts and include songs such as Shake Yo Thang, I Gotcha, Twist and Shout, and the brilliantly titled song, Spinderella's Not a Fella, 
in parentheses, but a girl DJ. In 1989, salt and Pepper were nominated for a Grammy in the rap category, which was new at the time. The award presentation, though, was not televised, so salt and Pepper, along with many other notable rappers at the time, boycotted the award show, which is totally understandable. Black's Magic was released in 1990. The group continued to stay on with their indie label. This album sold over 1 million copies in the U.S. alone. It features some of their most well-known songs, including Expression, which was sort of an homage to Madonna's Express Yourself, Doper Than Dope, and Let's Talk About Sex. The song, Let's Talk About Sex, faced some controversy initially because people thought maybe it was just raunchy, but instead it was a song about respecting yourself and your intimate partner. It was also very appropriately timed release as the country was in the midst of the AIDS epidemic. In case you don't remember, or perhaps if you were not born yet or were really young when this all happened, the AIDS epidemic was a huge medical issue in the United States beginning in the early 1980s and continuing into the 1990s. By the end of the 1980s, there were over 100,000 AIDS cases in the United States alone, and likely more than 400,000 worldwide. By the early 1990s, there were millions of cases around the world. Let's Talk About Sex was remixed into a song called Let's Talk About AIDS. There were many celebrities who did not respectfully use their platform when it came to AIDS. For example, Sebastian Bach, who was the lead singer of Skid Row, was photographed wearing a shirt that said, AIDS kills fags dead. And Eddie Murphy had a bit in his stand-up shows in the early 1980s saying that he was petrified of AIDS and homosexual men, which led to protests at his shows. Salt and Peppa, however, used their platform to educate, advocate, and to dispel rumors about AIDS, which was incredibly respectful, well-informed, and certainly not the norm at the time. It was released on the radio with the hopes of reaching a wide audience. Here are some of their powerful lyrics. And I'm not going to even try to rap. I don't want to do this song any um, disrespect, so I'll just kind of say it like a, like a poem. Yo, let's talk about AIDS. Go on. To the unconcerned and uninformed. You think you can't get it? Well, you're wrong. Don't dismiss or blacklist the topic. That ain't going to stop it. Now, if you go about it right, you just might save your life. Don't be uptight. Come join the fight. We're going to tell you how you can get it and how you won't. All of the do's and all of the don'ts. I got some news for you, so listen, please. It's not a black, white, or gay disease. Are you ready, Pep? Yeah, I'm set. All right, then. Come on, bet. So if you do come up HIV positive, hmm, or have AIDS, yeah, we just want to know. What? That there are treatments. That's right. And the earlier, the sooner, detected, the better off you'll be. Tell him, please. Hey, yo, Pep, you get checked? Yep, every year, G. Now, you don't get AIDS from kisses, touches, mosquito bites, or hugging, toilet seats, telephones. Stop bugging. Very Necessary was released in 1993 again with Plateau Records. Salt, Peppa, and Spinderella also helped produce the record. There are more classics on this album, including Shoop, What a Man, which was a collaboration with En Vogue, who was a very popular R&B group in the 1990s, Heaven and Hell, and None of Your Business. The group won their first Grammy for the song, None of Your Business. The album peaked at number four on the Billboard charts and sold over 5 million copies in the U.S. alone. With this album, we again have the opportunity to listen to the brilliance that is Salt and Pepper lyrics. 
Shoop, for example, has a few lines that everyone seemed to know at the time, including my sister, and that a lot of people I know can recite on the spot. Here I go, here I go, here I go. Again, girls, what's my weakness? Men. Okay, then, chillin', chillin'. Minding my business. You'll salt, I looked around, and I couldn't believe this. I swear, I stared, my niece, my witness. The brother had it going on with something kind of uh, wicked, wicked. Had to kick it. I'm not shy, so I asked for the digits. Which just makes me laugh when you had to ask people for their phone number. Now you just text it to them. Anyways, no one was having as much fun in the 1990s, it seemed, as Salt and Peppa. And we were so lucky to have their music blasting on our radios, in our tape decks, and our boom boxes. The song, None of Your Business, features some of my all-time favorite salt and pepper lyrics that I try and insert into conversation whenever possible because they are just too darn clever. I appreciate the song because, once again, salt and pepper are challenging the stereotypes that are all too often given to women. Here are a few of those lines. Opinions are like assholes. And everybody's got one. I mean, can I get that on a t-shirt? And then my own personal favorite. So the moral of this story is, who are you to judge? There's only one true judge, and that's God. So chill and let my father do his job. This can be a helpful comeback if someone is insulting you. You know, so if someone says something like, Amy, you like the movie You've Got Mail? I hate that movie. And to that I say, Who are you to judge? There's only one true judge, and that's God. So chill and let my father do his job. Shuts him up every time. That's never happened, but anyways. It also features a few lines that my sister was notorious for repeating at any given moment. 1993, S&P, packin' and mackin', bamboozlin' and smackin', suckers with this track, throw their beat back in. Brand New was released in 1997, again, salt and Peppa co-produced this album. It was released by Red Ant Records, but they unfortunately went bankrupt just before the album's release, so it sadly did not get very much promotion. However, it still managed to sell 500,000 copies. This was the first time they were not making a record with Herbie Azure. He and Cheryl, aka Salt, had broken up and there were some disputes around royalties. In between their studio albums, there have been a number of greatest hits and remix albums for Salt and Peppa in 1990, 1991, 1999, 2008, and so on and so forth. By the early 2000s, the unstoppable force that was Salt and Peppa suddenly came to a stop. In 2002, respectively, the group officially disbanded. Cheryl was exhausted and had some medical issues that made her want to slow things down a bit. She has said in interviews that during her really impressive career. She sadly suffered from bulimia. She has also said that dealing with Sandy, aka Peppa, is very intense. She was hoping to release a solo album, but unfortunately was never able to do so. Sandy went on to star in some reality TV shows, and Spinderella would go on to be a radio DJ. Again, with a name like that and talent like that, my god. She must have been given a lot of job offers. However, the group did start working together again, first in 2005 as they were given a Hip Hop Honors Award, and by 2007 they had officially gotten back together. They were all in a different place when they regrouped. Each woman in the group now had children. 
They would go on to star in a reality show called The Salt and Peppa Show, perform on a tour with Lisa Lisa and Sisters with Voices, aka SWV, called the Ladies of the 80s Tour, among many other tours and appearances. In 2019, the group parted ways with DJ Spinderella, which has made headlines in the music industry. It is unclear why she was dropped from the group, but a lawsuit was filed against Salt and Peppa. I believe it has been settled out of court. Most recently, the group helped develop a biopic that was released on Lifetime in January of this year. Salt and Peppa, as well as Queen Latifah, were involved in the production of the film. They have also made a lot of television appearances recently to promote the film. Sadly, Spinderella was not involved in the development of the movie. It does, however, sound like she has a story to share, so hopefully she will do so when she is ready. Aside from her music career and difficulties with the other members of the group, Spinderella, a.k.a. Deirdre, has become an advocate for diabetes awareness. Her mother died as a result of complications from the disease, and many of her family members are also living with diabetes. The three women who comprise this group have had a lasting impact on the world of music, and I didn't realize just how profound an impact that was until I revisited their contributions all of these years later. I hope you've enjoyed this look back on the story of Salt and Peppa, one of the most successful hip-hop groups of all time, male or female. To date, they have sold over 15 million records. They've had three number one hits and six top 10 hits. In addition to their Grammy for None of Your Business, they've also won a number of MTV Video Awards for choreography and music videos, as well as a BET Hip Hop Icon Award. Not only did Salt and Peppa pave the way for women in hip hop music, we can also thank them for making rap music more accepted and mainstream. And this came at a time where a lot of people assumed all rappers were just gangsters and nothing more than that, which is so far from the truth. They blew all those assumptions out of the water. They are smart, creative, magnetic, and are outstanding performers. If you have a chance to look up some of their recent performances on YouTube, I'll try to post some in the show notes. You can see that both women, who are now in their 50s, often perform live, meaning they do not lip sync, and they also dance. They still have that extra energy, that extra something that performers half their age don't have. If you are enjoying the Pop Culture Retrospective podcast, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever podcast platform you use. You can contact me anytime. My email address is popcultureretrospective at gmail.com, or you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at popcultureretro. I'm also on Instagram. My username handle, which is just a very dated way to say that, uh, is popcultureretrospective. I hope you'll join me for my next show where we will be discussing the 1992 cult classic film, Wayne's World. Until then, be kind, be safe, and hold on to your memories.